what's going on folks it's been uh a very very long time since you heard my voice or my two co-hosts voice um what has it been boys two weeks since our last uh podcast episode a lot has happened uh your boy got married Uh, i'm officially a married man uh ladies i'm sorry i'm taken you can't have me it's all right it's all right you can live you can live with yourselves um uh had a tragic death in the family so i dealt with that i'm still dealing with that but you know miss you aunt barb every day and uh i know you love the buckos so hopefully they get a couple wins for you um but we're not going to be sad on today's podcast we're going to be very happy and discuss uh the mlb draft the pirates concluded the mlb draft and uh wasn't quite what we expected boys was it it was uh a lot different from 2021's uh outcome so to speak uh a lot of underslot seeming deals, a lot of college arms. Uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. quite the 2021 LA Angels uh, drafting all pitchers, but it was 16 or 17 pitchers, including the undrafted free agent they picked up. Uh, and then last year, they it was like the day after, too, the Angels had already signed like 10 undrafted free agent pitchers, too. Yeah. It was so um, stupid like that. It, yeah. Uh, ben Cherrington – uh, he spoke with the media after the draft concluded and, you know, someone brought up the question in the Zoom meeting. They said, was this uh, on purpose? Did you guys have a specific plan going into the draft to just draft college arms? And if you read my article on Pittsburgh Baseball Now, uh, you could see what he said, but I'll just reveal it here. Um, he said, no, it, it just was a coincidence. Uh, we wanted to draft the best available player and it so happened to be college pitchers which i call a little bit of bs on that i call a little bit of bs on that, that something that, that stinks. stinks yeah that stinks a little bit <laughs> yeah that 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 stinks just a little bit ben i i think you had a little bit of a plan going into this draft and i i, I don't know I, I don't know what the exact plan was but it was college uh pitchers and it to be more specific it was summer league performers a lot of the kids that he drafted, 22 to 24 years old, performed in either the draft league, you know, West Virginia Black Bears, NOLA's team, or uh, yeah. you know, just the Cape Cod League. And I, I don't know. So, boys, NOLA, Murph, what, what, what was your initial reaction to this draft? Were you pissed? Were you on the fence? Happy? Where were you at? Murph, I'll, I'll lead it off with you, man. So, I mean, like if you want to start at the beginning, I, I, I think in the end, I, I like the Tamar pick um, just by reading off. Of, you know, you read one thing here and there of saying how good of a the pure hitter he is and stuff like that. And you're like, OK, well, maybe that's that's a guy who caught him on like a really good week or something like that. Then you start seeing everyone talk about like like this is maybe like the best prep hitter they've seen since Griffey and. And just that many, you know, I, comps for a high school kid is a dangerous thing to do. But this this seemed like this was their guy. This is the guy they wanted. And you kind of, once he fell or they decided on him, you kind of have to adjust your 
draft strategy towards that. Um, you can say all you want that it was the best, and I'm not going to pretend that I know who the best player would have been to take in, in the fifth and sixth and whatever rounds and stuff like that. But when you go on that long of a run of college pitchers, that kind of that, that kind of leads me to believe there's some sort of planning behind that. And, well, um, I, I feel like anybody who ever has followed the MLB draft with any kind of sense of following it, I guess, that pretty much everyone knows outside maybe the five, first five picks, it's more of a personal preference than it is, you know, quote, best player available. And especially with the bonus pool system since, what, 2012 is the first year it was enacted? Mm-hmm. I mean, back then you could essentially do a best player available because you had open books of how much money you could spend on these guys. Yeah. But especially with the bonus pools now, I mean, you have to go in with some sort of plan. And you, yeah. you can't necessarily do best player available because then, I mean – you would pretty much pick just straight prep players the entire time. Because by the time you get to, like, round four, it's just all ranked prep players that no one picked that everyone figures are tough signs. Yeah. Um, So, Murph, you you mentioned the Pirates got their man in Tamar. And, you know, best prep player, uh, fast hands, Great uh, bat-to-ball skill, and people were comparing him to Wade Boggs and Vlad Guerrero Sr., uh, one scout compared, and and we discussed that in the chat. And I I don't know how you feel about it, but it kind of pisses me off that you're putting that much stock into an 18-year-old. Yeah, I can't stand those comps. Like, the – Comparing to again to the people who are in the Hall of Fame or or should Hall of Fame worthy or had those kind of careers and stuff like that for a guy who's never even stepped on the the uh, professional field yet to play is it, it, is a little rough. There's one thing and and like I don't always agree with everything that he says, um, but like I was listening to like Harold Reynolds talk on, on draft night and like he 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 lived it. He was around. He saw it like in person. Like Griffey taking batting practice and stuff yeah. like that at that age. And he didn't, he never compared him to him like skill wise, but he's, but he did say like, that was like when he saw Tamar's uh, like batting practice, it was the best he'd ever seen just Six like from Griffey. like a, a wow factor since yeah. Griffey. And he, he watched Griffey as an 18, 19 year old kid doing. Yeah. So like, if there's anyone, so like, you got to be careful when you do those kind of comparisons. If you do them properly, then then yeah. But yes. I think it kind of sets up for yeah, yeah. I I, I don't generally like. I, I just hate the quick to the majors talk too. It's just, it's just like because at this point now they're setting these expectations of he's going to be June twenty twenty four starting second baseman. Like no, they're like <laughs> it's like come on man like. There's so many things that can happen. So many things that could happen. Yeah. Through saw that with Nick Gonzalez this year. Yeah. And yeah. second him to move. Yeah. Henry Henry like, Davis. Every I mean, Yinzer Palooza thinking that, you know, Jack Leiter was gonna be on an MLB mound by, by opening day and he's got a ERA above six. And I mean it's just there's so many things that can happen. Yeah. 
let yep. them get on the field, play some pro- professional games first, and then yeah. we'll start talking about. Yeah. And like, and, and, and it's not even something like, I don't even want to, I don't even care what he does in Bradenton next year, which I, I, I'm sure there'd be more on the safe side to assume that he'll see Bradenton next year. Yeah. If not right away, early on, you know, at some point. He'll start in the I FCL. Even, I, I don't year. even want to. Yeah. I, I, I'm not even going to put any expectations on what kind of path he's going to take in, in ABLE because it's it's ABLE. Yeah. So let him get it. Let me get Let him get in there. Let him start playing. And then we'll yeah, start. If, if he's, if he's hitting 450 with a 1300 OPS and it's like, all right, guys, I think he – I think right. he's a little tested a little more. Yeah, yeah. It's the the bubble the bubble Chandler factor with him in the FCL this year. Yeah. Obviously, that wasn't challenging him enough, so they yeah. slid him up. And then I mean, let, it, let him get challenged. And then stuff. you could even go into talking about like pitchers because like we're seeing a lot of that this year, which I think had some emphasis on their plan this year. Because when you talk about like Domingo Gonzalez, Adrian Falencio, Santiago Flores, like these were all dudes that were just blowing away in low uh, FSL hitters in low A. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were, it was like they were, these guys just couldn't touch their breaking pitches, blowing fastballs by them. They go up to Greensboro and they can't get anybody out. I know, like, I think, and then Flores has already been pushed to the bullpen. Florencio had one of those uh, uh, developmental no, no, lists in uh, stands, but he he got lit up again today. Yeah, uh, I think Domingo Gonzalez has kind of started to come around a little bit. I mean, even Eddie Yeen actually has been, uh, I mean, not great, but yeah, better He's been decent lately. And it's just, yeah, it's just it, people don't realize the difference and just level to level yeah like it's just the advancement of hitters and pitchers that you're going to face one level higher Mm -hmm. yeah 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 okay so you know we we talked about tomorrow a little bit and then the pirates had a bit of a a run of pitchers like we've been talking about now is there any pitcher in particular within the top 10 uh that sticks out to you and any way someone that could potentially jump off the list, say in 22, or is it kind of just a wait and see period? Because I, I don't, I'm interested in Brannigan. I mean, two way player played third base. Uh, they mentioned he's going to play third base before he gets into pitching kind of the way Bubba did when he started. Um He's highly regarded as a defensive third baseman, can can field the position rather well. Um, that's kind of the guy that jumps off the list initially in the top 10. Um, do you guys feel the mm-hmm. same way, or do you have some other names that kind of pop to you? Well, if we're, we're talking top 10, uh, I guess before I go on my spiel, I'll just ask Murph his name first. Well, what's your name? I think so. There's there's a couple ways that I that I look at it with that. So the person for me, it would be as long as we get him signed, Michael Kennedy. Mm-hmm. I, I think just like his youth and and what he's going to be eighteen. He'll be eighteen all of next season. Yeah, yeah, he'll be so eighteen. He turns eighteen. He turns eighteen November. November. Yeah, so he'll be all of he'll be eighteen all of twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three season. 
which I would imagine is going to be in the FCL, you know, kind of learning, learning the ropes. And, and well, yeah, he'll, he'll probably which at be, 18, that's he'll probably like, get I, that extended spring training time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The same way they do um, with some other guys. But as far as like to uh, like kind of a small point you brought up, Cody, as far as like kind of merging maybe like or like it, towards like prospect lists and stuff like that, I think the guy who makes the most sense would be Tom Sarington, right? Yeah, yeah, he, I, he's, I like him. Like he, he 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 compares very similar to like Carmen Majinski, at least coming out. I would say that his secondary stuff is is from every like I ha- haven't been able to see too much on him. But everything that I've been able to read and collect and everything like that, his secondary stuff is probably ahead of where Majinski was at coming out. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe that gives him a little bit of a not an over. We, we've seen the struggles that Majinski's had this year. So. And Harrington was one of those guys that was a little bit of a data darling, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what it sounded like. Right, there's like the only clip. Was that him? Like, or, or no, that was, that was, um, your guy for the later round, like, like the only clip that we could find. Um, oh, just like him pitching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, um, but well, I guess because the guy I was going to mention, I, I knew you're a fan of him, and I didn't want to steal your thunder. I was going to actually say Derek Diamond. I like Diamond. Only, yeah, Diamond. Only, only because of what you know, what you were saying about him in his sophomore year, and then you know, I, I was in a lot of. Places where I was reading, you know, everybody was mentioning how much of a different pitcher he was in his sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm curious if it's one of those things where maybe he had something nagging him all year or if they tweaked something that he, he you know, lost velocity and control and everything. And that maybe when he gets back in the system or not back, in, well, gets into the pirate system that, they can tap into what he was showing a sophomore year when he was, you know, throwing mid nineties, touching ninety seven, mm-hmm. and looking it's like high a school stuff. Some of the videos I watched to him in high school, mm-hmm. really, like, like I was saying, like if they can find a way to get back to that, mm-hmm. that, that they're they're onto something with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Murph, you mentioned Harrington, and I kind of wanted to you know, jump off of that just a little bit. Um, Changeup has been uh, a subject on this podcast a lot, the changeup pitch. We, we've discussed it several times and we talked about how it's the last drag and a pitcher has to slay, right? Well, as of right now, and this is just MLB pipeline rankings, I mean, it, it definitely can change. It could suck once he actually gets onto a professional field, but it's at a 60 grade right now. It's his highest ranked pitch. Mm-hmm. And for what is he 21 years old to have a changeup that developed? That's, that's pretty damn good. That's pretty damn good. And what the pirates got him in what uh, the comp round, right? First comp round. I'm pretty sure Harrington. Six, yep. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty good value for the pick. And then you transfer to Kennedy and Nola, I'm pretty sure you brought up Kennedy. He has a changeup as well. And at 18 years old. So I, I don't know. Maybe the Pirates did have a plan with guys who had secondary stuff and were summer league darlings, like like you mentioned. So I, I don't know. I, I really like the pick in Harrington, like Murph mentioned, just due to the fact that he has an advanced 
uh, secondary stuff and more specific and advanced changeup, which is the hardest pitch to develop because a lot mm-hmm. of guys just leave that juicy changeup right down the middle. And if you can use that off of his fastball, that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting with that too. And you said, cause like, let's say, let's say he doesn't pitch this year, or even if he does, like he's probably heading for a green tomorrow next year. Yeah. Think about who else is probably going to join him there. And I've written about a couple of them too. You're probably looking at um, like Anthony Solomito, uh, Jimenez, Jimenez, um, Poe Chen, all of them with really good changeups and Chen's thing splitter. So it, it's nice that they all kind of, and like you said, they say they didn't really have a plan, but it's kind of more of a plan. Even when you first started looking at who they drafted, mm-hmm. it looked like they had a plan in place. But then when you look into like who they're also sliding into potentially with, it's like a, it, that group all have really good changeups already developed way past their years. Was it like Jimenez is still 19 and, and he may have the best changeup in, in the entire system. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. he kind of slides in there and lines up perfectly with it. We didn't really see that from Huntington, if I'm not mistaken. We really didn't see that from him. It was just no, it was fastball. fastball. Control your fastball. You're not moving yeah. up. You're not moving up past eight ball unless you can throw the fastball on both sides of the plate. Yeah. Sinker. And two then, seam. And then you, <laughs> two seam. Two seam. Wasn't there somebody else that was a big uh, splitter guy? Like in the lower level? Uh, I want to say that they recently acquired. I know. I, there was something about I had Hunter, thought about. Hunter, Hunter Barco. Is it Hunter Barco? Did that from Florida? I, I thought I read somewhere saying that he had one as well. See, it it yeah. might have been. And that was kind of that, that was something that kind of stuck out to me. I, it wasn't until Ben took over that I hadn't really real. Uh, I don't think they really focused on guys that even like had splitters. And I feel like ever since he's taken over, like there's been a handful of guys that, and even some of the like relievers they pick up. Yeah. It's just all of a sudden, you know, it's a guy with a splitter. Yeah, I, I mean, Bednar is a classic example of that. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. at the top of the list with Splitter. Um, Barco is an interesting pick. He's really interesting if you look into it. I mean, he dominated yeah. at Florida. And then Tommy John happened, and, you know, he signed Underslot, which was expected due to the Tommy John. He was kind of stuck in no man's land. But, you know, he was touching 95 miles an hour, and we all know when you have Tommy John – you most likely, I mean, there are other cases where you get an uptick uh, in velocity. And if he's touching 95 now, maybe 95 is his norm. And we see mm-hmm. upper 90s, which is, you know, the norm nowadays. Um, good secondary pitch, uh, slider, fastball slider uh, combination with Barco. And I think you mentioned the splitter with him. I don't know. We're not going to see Barco pitch for a long time might limit probably limit his innings in 23 and at his age right now, that's kind of an issue because he's going to be older in the lower levels and we're going to mm-hmm. see a bit of a discrepancy there facing younger guys. So Barco is going to be tough to, to grade until say 2024. And we can't really look that far into the future just yeah. yet. Mm-hmm. So well, I do, I do feel like, cause like his, unless they kind of clean up his arm delivery and stuff like that, Oh, I it's hard to probably, repeat. Hard yeah, to repeat. I do think he, he's kind of on the reliever path anyways. Mm-hmm. So so that'll probably that'll probably I mean that that kind of sucks him from from the second round pick, but because of the delivery and stuff like that. 
I guess yeah. he could move quicker once he gets back going and healthy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah. yeah. It, it was an interesting, interesting draft. I'm not going to call it a shitty draft. I'm not going to call it that yet because none of these guys have touched a professional field. And, mm-hmm. Nola, I, I think you mentioned to us uh, in the chat a couple of days ago or something to that effect of it kind of reminded you of 2019 a little bit, the, the draft as a whole. Uh, yeah. Do you want to touch on yeah. that just a little bit? Yeah, because um... – well, I just know – I remember 2019, when it's, they picked a lot of arms that year. Um, I mean – and actually, I mean, at first, it was going really bad. Um, a handful of guys like Adam Athey, he's already gone. Uh, they just released Garrett Leonard. Um, but actually, to some degree, it's – they're actually – starting to have some success, I guess you could say. Because, like, Bear Bellamy is starting to see some success. Austin Roberts is seeing some success. So, it, I, I just remember that. I mean, they were all in Greensboro just getting lit up. And then uh, Cameron Junker, because he's still around. I mean, but that's the thing is some of them still aren't even out of A ball. Yeah. Um, But it just, like, they picked a lot of college arms. What, Alex Roth is another one. Trey McGo, but he's hurt. Troutman, I think he's gone already. Was Cranick twenty um, nineteen? So yeah, they. they uh, I don't think so. No, because Cranick was a prep pick. Right, right, yeah. right. Okay, yeah, yeah he, right. he he was an eleventh rounder. I want to say two thousand seventeen, maybe seventeen. Okay, seventeen, eighteen, something like that. I, right. I can see. No, it. I mean, yeah, and that's what it, it just kind of reminded me of. They went. They picked a lot of uh, – or 16. He was 16, 11th round. Yeah. Um, there was just a lot of college arms that, you know, all pretty much profiled as relievers from the get-go. I mean yeah. – and then uh, Massey, I mean, it just – is it uh, Massey? And then who was the other guy? Um, I guess even – well, Massey, uh, Brannigan. Um, yeah. There was one other. I can't remember who that kind of reminded me of. They'll probably be on like a JC Flowers uh, development just because, you know, there's no miles on their arms. Like they're very raw at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a, quite a lot of development they need to do. Um, but yeah. they, I mean, they have healthy arms and they're going to be built up to that point. Because I think Flowers originally. Like when he first was drafted, it was like as a reliever. And then the next year they put him into the starting rotation, but then he started faltering a little bit. So then he went back to the bullpen and more of like a piggyback role. And then this year they started extending him a little further again Yeah. every now and then. You know who jumped off the page past the 10th round to me, besides Tejeda. I mean, he, he, he was their splash pick, tried to tried mm-hmm. to make a splash pick, mm-hmm. save the money and sign him in the 19th round. But the 12th round kind of popped out to me with KC Hunt. KC Hunt is a very interesting pick in my opinion. I mean, the guy was primarily used as a reliever at Mississippi state had, I think a mid six ERA while in college, but then you transfer him to the summer leagues and he was primarily used as a starter. And granted it was limited innings, 
uh, in the summer league. Uh, let me see here. He had 40, 40 and two thirds innings pitched altogether in his two years of summer league ball. And let me get to, and then a combined 3.32 ERA primarily used as a starter. I mean, I don't know. They discuss Hunt potentially becoming a starter for the Pirates in the system, at least start him out that way. I don't know, man. What what did you see in Hunt? Did, did you not like the pick? Because I, he kind of jumped off the page to me, at least looking at his summer league stats. I mean, I, I, I think a lot of these guys are, like, very close – as far in, in like a lot of things, I, I, I think uh, like a theme that I had thinking about a lot of them was like their their pro like their project. There's there's they have a couple things that they they can work with, and, and like the development team feels like they're just like really buying into like, hey, we know what they do well, and we may be able to fix this one thing on them, and then get a t- a little bit extra out of them on it. So so they're it, it seems like they're going like low upside kind of things, but maybe they're selling high on themselves or buying high on themselves thinking that we can fix these guys mm-hmm. and then get a whole bunch extra out of them that maybe a lot of people weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I think Hunt would probably fall into, into that category with, with it, with it as well. Yeah. Nola, you, you're kind of on the same uh, thought path. Well, I, I guess just uh, in the draft as a whole, yeah, it, it seems it, this was definitely a draft where it's a trust your scouts and development system. That was the big key phrase used in the Zoom meetings. Both Ben and Joe Delacroix yeah. said that. I mean, this is all about trust, they said. Our area scouts, uh, supervisors, everything. Mm-hmm. That's who well, they that's were going I mean, because two. Yeah, two guys that intrigue me are that Dominic Parachi. Uh, you know, we'll have to wait till we actually hear how to pronounce his name the correct way. Um, but I'll call him Parachi for now. Uh, I mean, it was D3, but, I mean, the kid still shoved his entire time there. And even when he played in summer leagues, he shoved there too. So, I'm like, I, I'm curious to see what's there. Um. I think he only tops out at like 92 right now. He's a 6'4 kid, 195. So, I mean, maybe he can still add some weight and it it might be even some more velocity in there once, you know, maybe, you know, if you get him to drive off his back leg more, he could add a couple of ticks or something. Um, And then Julian, not not because he has the same name as my son, but Julian Bosnick is intriguing just because, I mean, he, dude, was a stud his sophomore year at uh, South Carolina in SEC. Yeah. So. Seemed to be a lot of SEC picks for yeah, the Pirates. A lot of SEC guys. A lot of them. But then I'm, which, because, uh, go ahead. I'm not mad at it. That's all I was going to say. I mean. Six. Yeah. That's a lot. Six SEC kids. Yeah. yeah they, they almost picked one from each school. I mean, then what? They got an Ole Miss, a Florida. They took an LSU Georgia commit. Tech. Mississippi State. <laughs> yeah, Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. Uh, I didn't even South count Carolina. the LSU commit with that. So technically seven, if you want to say. Yeah, technically seven because, yeah, they, they took a – Well, well eight, I guess if you count the I eight. I guess, yeah, t- yeah, he was a, a Florida commit. Yeah, yeah. eight. 
but the and one thing I recently started thinking about, and this actually kind of came about to what, which it'll, I guess it'll work well because this will coincide with the article I wrote for the discussion tomorrow. Because I know people are talking about the prep picks because then we, I'd say, I feel like y'all are kind of in the same realm of, you know, you like the prep picks because you like the allure of the upside. And they're so raw. Mm -hmm. And I just started thinking about, because I know I've told talked to you all about this before too, is like you look at Henry Davis's 2018 uh, scouting report. He was a 6'2", 180 kid that had high, right, high rankings for his defensive abilities, but, you know, very raw bat. It's like he was a defensive first catcher with the hope that the bat would, you know, come on tick up he goes to school for three years he's a power bat with defensive liability now and then so i even i I also looked up and it just kind of got me thinking like maybe with the whole like polish of college kids because we have you know travis mcgregor he's almost 25 and at this point he just made triple a He's struggled so far. He had his injury with the Tommy John. Cody Bolton had a bunch of injuries. He just turned 24, and he's only still limited in AAA. Braxton, Braxton Ashcraft still is about hurt. to turn 23. He's coming off Tommy John. So it's – is there really – we dream on the Michael Burroughs that we're going to find a Michael Burroughs or so really aside from like your first, maybe second rounders with prep picks after those rounds, are we going to find the prep kids that they can properly develop or maybe going to college is better for them to uh, turn them into the players that, you know, become first round picks. Because, you know, Trey, Trey Turner, we drafted him in 2014, 20th round, goes to NC State. He's a first-round pick, and now he's an MLB star. Yeah. Would, he have, would he have become that player if we drafted him, if he signed? Would Max Meyer have become the pitcher he is had he signed with Minnesota when they drafted him? Yeah. I, I, get, I get where you're going there. I get it. Um, I think Tejeda doesn't need to go to college. Just saying, six He's seven, well yeah, built like a monster already. Damn. I mean, well, he went if he went to college, he'd probably come out six seven two forty. Yeah, <laughs> dude, dude, to be a classic Yankee pick, classic Yankee. I mean, someone said um, Yankees he draft. He he we're gonna trade him to the Yankees in a couple years, anyways. <laughs> if we get him to sign, we'll just trade him to the Yankees in a couple years, anyways. So it won't yeah. matter. People have bumped it up to the Dodgers too. The Dodgers have been put into the Yinzer uh, classic template. So he'll either get traded to the Yankees and the Dodgers, anyways, or Red Sox. Because <laughs> a barber Newton is cheap. <laughs> okay. Um, there's one name that hasn't been mentioned yet. And Murph, I know you're probably going to butcher the pronunciation of this uh, young man's name. I guess he's not a young man. Uh, I guess I yeah, might get he's younger right. than me. Maybe I might get it right. Um, you're excited about him. 
So let's let's discuss. They're all younger than me. <laughs> Not by much. <laughs> so I think I think for me in the later rounds, I, I outside of the obvious to hate it. Seeing how you know, thinking it I'm signed, and you know the intrigue with the two-way play. The guy the most I've written about it on P two would be uh, Miguel Fulgencio. Um, from uh, he watching him and seeing a lot of stuff with him, and just kind of like the path that he took, kind of gave me a lot of Nick Garcia vibes, as far as the converted, you know, converted from a uh, you know position player to the mound at a very much lower level, dominated out of the bullpen. He's already 23, so like the clock's already like ticking against him. But I mean, he's lefty who can throw strikes, can get up to 96. The spin rate on his slider, from what I've been able to, to gather, is amazing. He he played in the Appalachian League uh, two years ago or last year. Played pitched like an inning in the Cape this year. Had like with those two combined, he had like. 29 strikeouts in like 18, 19 innings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So High still strikeout. getting people out. So I, I don't never, never know. Throw, yeah. throw them in the bullpen. Let them, let them move up quickly. Yeah. There's, um, there's, like said, there's two trends that I, I want to discuss before we end the podcast here. First, w- when you look at just the pure strikeout numbers from the pitchers, the pirates did draft this year. It's fairly high. And and that mm-hmm. speaks to again, Ben, you had a formula. You had a plan coming into this. Stop bullshitting us. You had a plan. And the, the the high strikeout rate, and and you know, we'll get to the other part in the next section here, but let's discuss that aspect of it because Murph, you, you brought it up at the most perfect time. What high strikeout guys are are a commodity especially when you want to bolster up a bullpen and the pirates, they have bullpen issues, uh, especially in the major leagues. I mean, yeah, you have your Bednars and and your other performers there, but you need a solid bullpen if you want to contend eventually. So is this part of the formula here? Uh, High strikeout guys, hopefully they can translate to the majors. Uh, Is that kind of the, the, the thought path that you think this core took on the draft? Well, the, the way I think about it is uh, kind of going on what we, we talked about before is like kind of they have this skill set and you're hoping to teach them, you know, fix something else with them. So you take you draft them knowing that they can miss bets, that they can, you know, put up the high strikeout numbers. And then like someone like in like for like JP Massey, for example, he walks a lot of people. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're kind of hoping you get him in and you can kind of fix the delivery or something like that, make it more consistent to where he throws more strike strikeouts. So now you take someone who's striking out a ton of people and now you cut down on his one weakness. And now all of a sudden, bam, you have, you, you have something that you didn't think before. So I, I, I think it's a good strategy to have because you can't always teach that someone to that kind of ability. It's more of like a natural ability mm-hmm. to have those kind of pitches that that can Mr. strike people out yeah so mm-hmm. you want to take people that have that kind of skill set and then just kind of fine-tune other things around 
to make them more effective when it comes to striking people out. Yeah. Kind of the phrase that comes to mind is uh, accentuate the positives and hide the negatives. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that kind of seems uh, the path that they took um, into the draft. Nola, I kind of wanted your, your thoughts on, you know, all these pitchers that have a pretty damn good ability of missing bats, uh, at least at the collegiate level. Um, do you think that translates to the professionals? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure they see. I mean, there's something that they're doing that is, you know, missing bats at the collegiate level, and like Murph talking about teaching uh, certain aspects. I mean, you can teach sequencing and tunneling. So, you know, they've seen these guys' pitches. They know what their stuff looks like. So they could just be a matter of like, look, we want you to tunnel this pitch off this pitch. Like, this is going to make your fastball look more deceptive. This is going to confuse hitters with your curveball more, you know, because, again, you know, they have the data for, you know, their pitches, spin rates, and all that kind of stuff. And it could be like – I don't know if they'll do too much with fixing arm slots, which I mean, and that's the thing too, with getting the college kids. I mean, there probably won't be much in terms of like changing arm slots and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's just, like I said, you know, like tunneling and sequencing, they'll probably, these are guys with more polish on them than a high school prep kid to where the stuff is kind of, it's not, it might not be at its max. Uh, I don't know, effectiveness is the right word. And they just need a little bit of push. Yeah. To get it. Yeah. Some, and, uh, you know, ceiling. And, and this kind of, you know, is, is a pretty good segue to talk about, you know, the age uh, aspect of the group of players that the Pirates drafted. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what you got against age, man. (laughs) (laughs) Not 30 yet. 27, man. I'm still enjoying my youth. Um, A lot has been said about the college kids being on a faster track to the majors. And, you know, we've brought up uh, a few minutes ago of how the Pirates have issues uh, within their bullpen. And a lot of these guys probably translate to uh, bullpen arms as they uh, get in the higher levels. Mm-hmm. Now, are we, are we talking about the ultimate final strategy that Ben has is to throw shit at the wall at the major league level with these college pitchers and hope that some of these guys stick for a eventual pennant run. I'm not going to say championship just yet uh, pennant run. And do these guys fit that exact formula? The age does the fast track does, but, a lot of other things have to happen. So was that a good strategy on his part to draft guys who are most likely on the fast track to the majors? Well, I don't know if it's so much with regards to fast track to the majors as it is that they could probably be quickly pushed in the organizational chart. Cause if we look at a lot of their depth that they have, there's, there's a gap. Yeah, especially next year, there's gonna there's gonna be a, a pretty big gap, you know, in Altoona and Greensboro. You're gonna have you know intriguing high ceiling upside prospects, 
but a lot of them are still, you know, really young. Like they might hit 20 next year. Yeah. I mean, Lonnie, Lonnie hasn't even played this year. Braylon's still in the FCO. Uh, Saul McGuire's still down there. Polanco. Um, Bubba just Bradenton, got I mean. Bradenton. Yeah. Uh, Kellington hasn't come back from the injured list yet. Yeah. Uh, Malone still hurt. So, and then Greensboro this year has been pretty dry of – um it's not overall. exciting. Greensboro is not exciting at all. <laughs> Pitching wise, yes. Pitching wise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I, so, no. I I think it is it was part of their direction and plan to get guys that they believe can be in high A or even double A by mid next season. Twenty three, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of that too when you think about it. Like we talked about, I, I talked a little bit about like who is probably going to be in that rotation next year for Greensboro. Mm-hmm. And this, a lot of these guys too, kind of give like a little bit of a backup plan, at least for 2023, mm-hmm. as far as like you can kind of be easy with, with Bubba and, and Jimenez and all of mm-hmm. them about easing them in high A because you'll probably have a couple of these guys drafted now coming out of the bullpen and piggybacking and, and, and doing that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. kind of get some of those ending leap. And then as you want to kind of speed things up, you kind of shorten the outings out and you can kind of mm-hmm. speed them up and push them to Altoona, mm-hmm. push them up, push them up, that kind of stuff. And then boom, they're in the major league bullpen then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then so. going back to like the JC Flowers type development, that, that'll work perfect in Greensboro. Yeah. I, Mm-hmm. yeah it does well guys that's uh that's the pirates 2022 mlb draft talk uh like we said we're not we're not ready to ring the alarm bells yet of a, a shitty draft yeah. none of these guys touched the field yet um i'm excited about tamar i, I want to see what he can do i love his confidence i love how he said uh screw o'neill cruz at shortstop that's my position uh, you kind of have to have that uh, uh, swagger, confidence uh, coming into this. You got to believe in yourself because ultimately you're taking the ultimate gamble on yourself as a professional athlete in baseball, at least. Because you're not guaranteed. I just want to know fun. who's going to break out the measuring stick. <laughs> who's who's going to break out the measuring stick when he gets to Brainton? I need to know how, actually, how tall he actually is. <laughs> Nobody. They're going to ban they're going to ban that stuff from, from the PNC park and stuff like that. <laughs> you have to be this tall to ride. It's one of those things you'll never want to never try to figure out. Yeah. And that's, I remember when me and Cody, yeah. Cause me and Cody were yeah. talking about him last year when he was, when uh, Kylie came out with his, was it Kylie? No. Or long and hanging. His long fan graphs. Yeah. Came out with uh his his two early rankings and Tamar was his number one, yeah. and I, I think at the time he was like five foot seven, and then by draft day he was like five foot eleven. I was like, man, he went through a bit of a growth spurt. That's that's uh that's a little bit of a fib. <laughs> He's like five eight, maybe five nine and a half yeah. in cleats. Maybe as like as like with with in, in basketball like. 
we were, I took Kim to a, a Wizards game and uh, we were talking about like how short Trey Young was and Trey they like the thing we'll say it's like he's like six foot six one or something like that. But then he was standing next to Aaron Holiday on the Wizards, who is like an official five foot eleven player, and they were very much on the same. Like I'm like, well, you can tell me this, but I'm standing right here looking at these two, yeah. and something doesn't add up, right? And I think okay, like you can tell me he's five foot ten all day, or five foot nine. Like you better, you better hope. You only sign players that are like a couple inches taller because the second you get another guy who's like five nine five or something like that, mm-hmm. and you put them next next to each other, then like the whole secret's <laughs> gonna be out. So you'll see, yeah. <laughs> hey man, we 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 love our short kings on this podcast. Hey, about time, about time. Hey, he can he, he can hit. He can hit. I don't care how tall he is. Yeah, I, yeah. That strike zone is gonna be super small. Uh, which I'm all Let's about. Get, the, all get the them walks. walks. Get them walks. Um, but guys, that's going to do it uh, for this episode. Again, apologies for no episodes in what two weeks or so. Uh, a lot of shit happened. Uh, got a couple announcements to to make. Um, if you haven't noticed, uh, Pittsburgh baseball now is uh, revamped. Uh, Dan Kingersky uh, bought it. Uh, John, we hired John Parado. Uh, veteran uh, baseball writer and a Pittsburgh treasure. Uh, I love that man. Uh, He's so wholesome, so wholesome, and uh, such a nice guy. Hell of a baseball writer. Um, I'm looking forward to learning a lot from him. Um, You know, we got me, Danny D, and John Parado now at Pittsburgh Baseball Now primarily. And we're just just excited to get things going. Um, In the description – I will have uh, uh, the subscription link uh, to Pittsburgh Baseball now, uh, so you can get so you guys can read uh, the good stuff that we're writing over here. Uh, lots of good stuff coming out soon. Um, yeah, it, we're just excited over here, boys and girls. Uh, but but like I said, this is the end of the podcast. So what we always do uh, at the end is we give out our socials. Uh, I will begin. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at 2HG, uh, stands for Two and a Half Gringos, the podcast name that we've all loved. You know you have. And we got our gringo. Uh, me and Nola are the gringos. Nola, how's it feel to be a gringo? <laughs> Feels great. Me <laughs> hoes in bed right now, but he's, he's my, my half gringo. <laughs> But uh, guys, give out your socials, Big Bear. As always, give me a follow on Twitter at double underscore Murphy88. I am very close to 100 subscribers on YouTube and very close to 25,000 total views on this page as well. So give that a subscribe as well. Yes, you better. Or I will eat your snacks in your kitchen. I'm at at Nola Jeffy, N-O-L-A-J-E-F-F-Y. Attaboy. Attaboy. You better follow those people. Yes. Better follow all of them. I guess guess because we do outnumber outnumber Cody right now, we need to give a shout-out to Pirates Prospects as well. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You do outnumber. Yeah. Two to one. (laughs) You may have brought in 
some big shot, but we got bucks and pucks. Hell yeah. You better be now. reading his discussions, his daily discussions. Yeah. You I'm, better. I'm picking up the slack on PT Daily for me now on those two days that I actually get to, to, oh, to sleep a little bit. You he, trying, <laughs> trying to get me to do more. I'm like, I don't know if I got time. <laughs> but boys and girls... <laughs> We love you very, very much, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, but most importantly, guys, let's get it right. It's been two weeks. We had time to prepare. Let's go, Bucks. Go, Bucks. Go. You bastards. Bucks. <laughs>